0: Hi, I'm Mike Negrit, and you're listening to Hungry Magazine from Chicago, Illinois. Four, three, two, one more time. Hey there, welcome back for another edition of Hungry Magazine Chef Interviews. This month I sit down with Chef Jose Garces of Mercat a la Plancha, the new restaurant in Chicago's Blackstone Hotel. Enjoy the interview. You're a Chicago guy, I think some people uh, may not know that. Um, You you grew up here, right?
1: Uh, Born and raised on the northwest side around uh, I live in different parts of Northwest uh diversity in Cicero Irving in Central around that area I went to school at Gordon Tech and I went to culinary school here at Kendall
0: so I, I mean I think the important question especially since you spend a lot of time in Philly these days is what's better the uh, Italian beef or the Philly cheesesteak
1: there's really no comparison the uh Italian beef and uh, fast food in general is uh, it's just a Chicago staple you know between the hot dog the gyro the burrito and the various Italian beef sandwiches you, you can't go wrong here did, did and I, I mean the, the Phillyites might uh, I might get some crap about it but I, I personally think it's like really overrated the uh, the chiefs the cheesesteak.
0: That's what I hear a lot of people say.
1: Strictly from a culinary perspective, you know, based on the way they cook the meat, it's, um, tends to, like, feel like, uh, almost poached, or, I don't know, it's, they use good quality ribeye or or decent quality ribeye, but it's just not, uh, I'm not crazy about the consistency of it.
0: Well, yeah, it's almost like they're steaming it on the grill, so you're not really getting any char, you're not getting, uh... You know, you're you're not you're not getting any pinkness or anything, so it's you know, what's the point, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. So that that's that's my issue with the with the chili cheese steak.
0: Do you have any favorite beef they, ste- beef stands from growing up?
1: Um, there was oh, shoot, I, you know, I don't remember the the names. I, I actually worked at one on Montrose and Sister. I don't remember the, the name of it, but uh, I remember making the beef, and uh, I gained a few pounds that that <laughs> summer, eating, like, Italian beef combos with cheese fries
0: over there. Uh, um, you know, when you left Kendall, you know, obviously Chicago wasn't the, the hotbed of, of dining that it is today. I wondered, you know, you went to – I know you spent some time in Spain, and then you went to New York. I wondered if, if you had graduated Kendall now, do you think you would have stayed in Chicago? or? You know,
1: it was always my intention to come back to Chicago, like immediately after Spain. I just, I happened to have a girlfriend at the time who moved with me to Chicago, and then I went to Spain, we kind of disconnected, and she was originally from New York, so she moved back to New York. She followed me to Spain and said, you know, come back to New York, let's get together. So it was kind of a love interest decision to head to New York, and then... And then I, after New York, I was like, gosh, you know, um, I, I was going to come back to Chicago, but I met a uh, mentor, a good friend of mine at this point, uh, Douglas Rodriguez, and he was like a pretty, ho- pretty hot chef in New York at the time, and um, I really wanted to get into Latin cooking, and so he kind of like took me on this journey. In in opening two places in New York and introducing me to my first chef position in Philly, so it just never kind of it never happened, and I always like when this opportunity arose, I was really quick to jump on it and you know do the best I can to you know make it happen.
0: Well, that's an interesting thing, obviously, Doug Rodriguez. he's He's got De La Costa here now, and I wonder, do you guys have a little friendly rivalry now that you're both uh, operating restaurants in the city?
1: It's it's totally friendly. You know, I mean, I have dinner at his house when I go down to Miami, or, you know, when he comes to Philly, we, we get together. So it's like, it's not like... Uh, there's really no, you know... It's like, you know... Whatever happens, happens. Uh, I'm gonna do my best and he's gonna, you know, do his best. So it's, it's really, it's really about that. But, you know, friendship will always, uh, probably supersede any, any kind of rivalry. Yeah, I feel pretty indebted to him. He got me, he really got me involved in like the higher end of cooking and as, as well as, uh, you know, the media aspect of the industry and just, uh, in general. I He's been good to me.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, what's what? You know, obviously, there's probably a lot of things you get out of Douglas Rodriguez, and I wondered what the uh, maybe what the big lessons were that you took from him that you know kind of influenced what you're doing now.
1: Uh, he's he's always been like a master of like flavor combinations. Like he he actually, and I think his palate is like really off the charts I and mean, he can really I mean he can go try something and go back like anything from basically any country go back just by tasting it and replicate it pretty pretty easily. I learned a lot in terms of just flavor combinations, Latin food, ceviche
0: yeah, I mean the flip side of that, of course, is you spend some time working in the the Steven Starr organization, and I'm, you know, Steven Starr is obviously sort of a a rock star on the business side there in Philly and New York, and and I and so you kind of have the best of both worlds. You got really great culinary training, and you also it seems like it's you've got a really good example in terms of you know how to build an empire if that's what you want to do. Is that is that fair to say?
1: Yeah, that's totally. That was a great situation for me uh, to be in, and I uh, I uh relished it for four and a half, almost five years. I um, was like a sponge in Stephen's organization trying to... Really, you know, I watched him expand from... Alma de Cuba at the time was the, his third restaurant, and he went from three to, like, 13 within five years. So I was able to, you know... Watch him build his infrastructure. Watch him um, organize and grow. And you know, I I was able also to see you know the mistakes he made along the way. So I'm hoping not to repeat those mistakes. Take some of, take a lot of the good, and really, you know, I really got that business side, which a lot of times chefs don't get. You know, a lot of times they they don't, um, they're not exposed to as much to that side of the business, and so that was hugely valuable.
0: And right now, I mean, you've got quite a lot of things going. I mean, it sounds like, you know, in Philly, you're doing, you know, you're on on your third restaurant or fourth restaurant now. Is that right, with Chilongo on the board, I guess? Um,
1: Yeah, it's my uh, third there. Um, That's going to be a pretty big. It's actually, we had to change the name to Distrito, D-I-S-T-R-I-T-O. We found out Chilongo was... I'm not only trademarked, but there's 15 of them, so we wanted to be <laughs> a little more original. I'm building kind of a small, what I think is like a boutique restaurant group where I don't want to, like, go crazy with the concepts. Just stick to what I know, which is Latin food. Um, there's only one other concept that I want to develop, which is the Asian and Latin concept.
0: Yeah, I read about that. You said you were looking at Latin Thai or something like that.
1: Yeah, I've been, I mean, I've had that on the board for years. I think it will be a smash if if I'm ever able to get it off the ground. It's been um, kind of tough finding that that perfect location. At this point, I don't want to force anything. I want to, you know, make sure there's, like, nice, easy fits.
0: Tell me a little bit about um, that. I mean, I I think it's interesting. I mean, I know a few years ago there was sort of a big... uh, Mexican uh, Chinese movement I know Monica Patina in Mexico City I think did something like that it's you know obviously there's some crossover in chilies and things like that what's your kind of philosophy culinarily speaking on that
1: yeah I think more like Southeast Asian and South American and Caribbean there's there's a lot of crossover there there's um you know I mean just cilantro green chilies coconut milk certain rices there's just there's a lot of there's you know if you put the two cuisines together and they overlap there's a lot of things that overlap in the middle that can make it really interesting and
0: uh Do you have an ideal interesting dish? Interesting. Do you, is there like the like so Yeah, actually.
1: Well, I think I have like I broke it down in like different sections and one of um one of the sections is like I call it the spice section. So in that section there'd be like curries uh, different curries different uh, whether it be Thai or maybe even Indian curries along with uh, and then from the Latin section it it would be different like spicy um, chowders dishes so there's a
0: well, I think I think the common or the the adage is they say that within every chef, no matter how they cook or what their ethnicity is, inside their heart there's like an Asian chef waiting to come out or something like that. <laughs>
1: uh, there's think, definitely something to be said about that. I would look to team with somebody that, um, like, an excellent Asian chef. I'm, you know, I, I believe that you know you got to really stick to what you do best and. For me it's always been Latin cooking. So I would bring the Latin side and I'm I have a couple guys in mind who are like really talented Asian chefs, so it'd be a collaboration. Who's so it's good.
0: Speaking to of make col- it work. Speaking of collaborations, I mean who's the guy that's uh, gonna be helping you here at Mercat when you're you know, when you're doing what you do?
1: Is you got it. It's it's a guy named Michael Fiorello. hmm And uh, he worked with me at Amada. Mhm. And he left Amada to go be um, exec sous-chef for the uh, Rittenhouse Hotel, which is near, in Philly, pretty prominent hotel. And then when this opportunity came up, I asked him to come back, and we worked on the menu and development for Mercat in Philly for about three months.
0: I read that one of your favorite questions asked during an interview for a line cook is whether they know the five mother sauces, and you said, you know, half the time they get that answer right. I wonder if you could tell me a little bit about that. Is that a function of you having gone to culinary school and thinking that the classics are very important to any kind of cooking, or wh- wh- where does that, what's that philosophy?
1: Yeah, that's that's pretty much, yeah, I mean, you pretty much should on that. It's something that was taught to me at Kendall, like it was like, you know it was it was kind of like you had to know that I mean if you didn't know it you would it was like you were just not not with it and um and at this point it's like i don't I don't expect everyone to know it, but it's good to see those that you know really do and have that foundation because it's really kind of where it's where it starts having that foundation and understanding and having a respect for French cooking in general uh has helped me along my career. And being able to adapt those like basics to new cuisine is is, is very important, hugely valuable.
0: I read that your your final project at Kendo was actually uh, about a tapas, creating a traditional tapas bar. Is that true?
1: That's totally true. Uh, it Was at the end of the end of your term where they really make you put together a project with pro forma budgets, menu.
0: How, how does reality match a theory? Back when you didn't have all the training,
1: reality is a lot different. <laughs> <laughs> reality is, uh, you know, not only being a chef, but um, being a business owner and being responsible for you name it—you know, employees, employees, um, customer service. I mean, there's just so much more that's involved that you really you just don't know when you when you first put together the package and until you really do it, I mean, even as a chef or even as someone that's just working in the industry, until you own your own business, you really, you can't, uh, can't begin to fathom how how detail-oriented it is and how, um and just how much you really have to put into it.
0: I mean, one of the things, of course, I was impressed by was that, you know, I was there on opening night and, you know, I don't make a habit of going to places on opening night because I understand that, you know the you guys need some time to get things together but you know the reason i did write about it was because frankly i was blown away by how much you guys did have it together i mean you know you're not talking about a small place what do you guys have 190 seats there 200
1: uh yeah right in that like right, close to like 170
0: yeah and i mean you guys were packed um but geez i mean you know service was great food was pretty much spot on um You know, how do you do that? I mean, it seems like people don't do that these days, and you guys were able to get it almost right out of the gun.
1: I think it's something that's um, hugely uh, valuable, and it's a lesson that um, I've learned. um, You know, you really only get one one opportunity uh, in this business to make a good first impression, and uh, if you're not ready by day one and shouldn't even open your doors
0: you, you talked about building sort of a boutique uh, sort of group I wonder you know how do you know what's big enough or not too big I mean we've, we, we're kind of in this era where you got guys like you know Jean George, who has like whatever he has now, and Alan Ducasse, and then but then yeah, you do have some folks who you know keep it like maybe like Rick Bayless, where he's only got two, and then he's got the food line. Um, do you have a theory on on what's big enough for you or what your vision is?
1: Big enough for me, like I guess said uh, concept wise, four is the magic number. Uh, as far as locations, um, I'm I'm running out. I'm pretty much I'm reaching my reaching my end because I want to be able to one like oversee and maintain personally I want to personally be able to do that and that's going to it becomes more difficult as I'm traveling you know a thousand miles to get to a certain location but I want to you know I want to ensure that I have the ability to do it what's the right formula I'm not sure Um, right now for me it's getting people who think like I think and do what I do and um training those folks at the top of the chain to have this, you know, a certain hospitality and product orientation where, you know, we're all thinking on the same page and it's about the customer and it's about like high quality ingredients. Not too much bigger, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Like I'm I'm getting I'm getting near I'm getting near the end. You know, already I feel like you know, I have a, a huge attachment to Mercat right now, and um, I want to ensure that it, it that it does great things. So
0: you have a couple of kids too, right?
1: Yeah, I have a couple, and that's the other piece, which is when I can't see them on the weekend. That's when I know it'll be, I will have gotten too big.
0: <laughs> that's so, awesome. That's a good gauge.
1: Yeah, that's 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 the that's the big one right there. And I promised my wife I wouldn't. Infringe on our on our time. Well,
0: let's talk about the food a little bit. I mean, I think at least in my opinion the reason uh, mercat works so well is it's you know there's nothing wrong with what's been going on in this town in terms of you know cafe baba reba and some of the old stalwarts but i mean i guess the reason you guys are so interesting or so exciting is that you know maybe you're bringing some non-traditional ingredients to the table with you know like you've got black truffle in some dishes and things like that and likewise though there's also really a good grounding in tradition i mean I think the things that I really liked the most were some of the, uh, like the Romanesco sauce and your salbichata and this toasted nut kind of flavor that you don't see a lot of, even though it might be traditional. You know, I don't, I don't know that the traditional tapas places around town necessarily focus on those things. Um, Maybe you could comment a little bit about what you were trying to do here.
1: Well, I think, you know, one of the keys to a success, just, you know, having a successful menu is really having that ground, grounded tradition and then bringing some excitement to it, you know, like, just elevate, uh, get the best ingredients you can, prepare them the best that you can, so you know, these things like romesco and saldichata and, you know, padrone peppers and uh, you know, pulpo pulpo con patatas, like, things that are like traditional, we try to, you know, stick to our guns you know, start, you know, really try to stay as close to the tradition as possible, you know, do the right amounts of flavor combinations and then just elevating them. I actually have um I just finished my cookbook. It'll be published in um September by Lake Isle Press and it really speaks to that uh traditions meet innovative cooking and how, you know, um how I would take, you know, basically go to do my research and development Find out what, you know, mom and pop are cooking at home. Find out those sauces. Find out what they're doing. Go to, like, the real traditional restaurants and then bring those traditions, bring that authenticity back to the U.S. and apply some local ingredients, apply fresh ingredients, uh, you know, and then just use my culinary talent to, like, make it all mesh together.
0: Yeah, it seems like you, you really do a lot of due diligence and research I read about that trip you took to Mexico uh, recently in food and wine and you know it, it reminds me a little bit of you know another local guy Jerry Kleiner um, I know Jerry likes to travel a lot and take the best of things and then innovate on top of those and it seems like you really got to go and you got to understand the tradition before you can innovate
1: yeah it's huge. It's, it's important I, I mean I've been to Spain probably like two or three times at least twice a year for the past 4 years. Yeah, I got hugely inspired by the northern part of Spain, the Basque area. I opened Tinto, which is more Basque oriented and uh
0: Was there any significance I, I mean I've read that the, you know, the the hexagonal shapes in the restaurant and all that is kind of based on uh the Mercat Buqueria in in Spain is, is that was that a pivotal market or something that you looked at or where did that come from? The
1: Boqueria is, is really um, one of the finest markets. I think one of the best markets I've ever been to. I'm a huge market fan. And the hexagonal, hexagonal shapes are on the rooftop. And they're actually, those particular hexagonal tiles are throughout Barcelona. So they have a huge, like the architecture played a huge part in the design here. Um, you know Barcelona is very uh, I don't know if you've been or not, but very contemporary in terms of design and in particular restaurant design. They, ha- they have some of the most contemporary hit like cool spots. I think that we were trying to bring some of that modernism here to uh, Chicago,
0: well, I think you know obviously when you start talking about a la plancha, for me, I think I think of like Calpep, of course and and and. Yeah. and And so – but the thing about that is if you're Cal Pep, you're on the water, and so you're going to celebrate the local bounty of seafood, whereas you're in Chicago, well – you know maybe you're going to celebrate beef cuz you're going to get really good really good steak and you're going to get really good lamb chops here you know so and not which isn't to say I mean I had the shrimp there and it was amazing and not only that I love the fact that you guys keep the head on that's a really good touch that you know I think a lot of people would be afraid to do that cuz maybe people would get grossed out or whatever but it's you know that shows how fresh it is and that shows you know that that this is some really good stuff and but you're celebrating what the local bounty is in this case
1: yeah that's that's pretty that's much it that's I mean you hit it hit it right there on your head and that's like the um, epitome of what you know what we're trying to do is really make cultural peace uh from Spain but then adapt it to you know our environment which is chicago so. and and keep the authenticity at the same time
0: so What's it like being back here? I mean, do you still have family here? Are, you, are there some things that you've gotten to do? I know I'm sure you're busy with the restaurant, but maybe some things that you've wanted to do or check out that you've been hankering for since you've been away?
1: Going out and exploring. Uh, I did check out a cool, cool um, elixir kind of spot, the uh, Violet Hour.
0: Uh-huh, absolutely, one of my favorite spots.
1: Been there twice. Love the cocktails, love the ambiance been really a really a nice escape but for the most part I just have been trying to hammer this thing down over here to make sure it's you know it's smooth and consistent
0: what, what about but I will
1: I, I will like I mean I want to get to um, Pilsen or Little Village to have some um, authentic Mexican I want to um, I went to the Wiener Circle the other day I got my fill nice. hot dogs And uh, I'm I'm planning on spending a ton of time here over the summer. Uh, My friend has a has a boat, has a couple boats, has like a sailing company. I'm gonna uh, you know mix in business with pleasure a lot here, and uh, really you know really reconnect to the city again. Like just spring, summer, and uh, enjoy it. I Chicago is my absolute favorite town, and. In spring, summer, and fall, it's it's unbelievable.
0: You know, I know you – I read that you were like a lifeguard on Foster Beach. I wonder, you know, is there something that runs through you about Chicago or from growing up here that, you know, you take with you even when you're in Philly or, you know, there's just something that runs through you? Either it's a particular thing about being from Chicago or, or Chicago itself?
1: Bears and Cubs fan, Bulls fan, like die hard, so I don't get much love over there when it comes to sports. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, yeah, I mean, I, I truly feel like I'm a Chicagoan. I mean, I, I spent a amount of my life here. And, uh, you know, being born here, when I, when I came here to Open Marcai, I had this feeling of just going home, even though I have, you know, my wife and family and but like, I when I got onto the plane, I was like, God, "I'm finally coming home after <laughs> so many years." So yeah, it's it's ingrained in me, and I don't want to. Yeah, I I never wanted to lose touch, and I felt like if I had waited any longer, it might have felt, uh, I might have felt differently. I mean, there was actually a time there when I was in Philly that I I felt like maybe I should transplant, but um, we'll see how it goes. You know. Uh, take it one step at
0: a time you raising your kids as Chicago sports fans yeah oh, definitely. <laughs> I'm originally from Detroit so I don't care what, if my son likes the Bears or whatever that's fine but he's got to love the Detroit Red Wings so that's the from <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you doing this and uh, no problem I hope you enjoyed the interview thanks for listening if you have any feedback please send it to mj at hungrymag.com We'll see you soon, and in the meantime, stay hungry.
1: Four, three, two, one more time.